Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. All right. So, yeah, welcome. Good to see you all. Let's, um, let's sit together for a little bit. and allowing your intention for the practice to come to mind. And checking in with the posture as well. Checking in with the overall energy of the body. I'm doing a light body scan. And does the body have a mood? to it? Is it dull, agitated? And seeing if maybe bringing mindfulness and some discernment some skillfulness. You can provide some equanimity. Allowing the body to be alert, yeah, at ease. And doing the same with the mind. Really meeting the mind with tenderness. Giving the mind itself a lot of space.
And if the mind is sinking into dullness, you can counter that with more curiosity. And if it's agitated, contemplating loving kindness or anchoring the mind and the body. And it's always moving slower than the mind. And anchoring the mind a bit more with some phrases of loving kindness. Some universal phrases, may I be well. May I be at ease. May others be well. May others be at ease. And seeing if you could feel these phrases in the body, in the mind. Especially in the heart.
And then if you like, you could actually take that aftertaste of loving kindness, no matter how subtle, we could take this as the object of attention. If there's any shift in heart, body, mind, noticing the softness, the energetic flavor of loving kindness. And allowing the attention to rest here. And at any point you can deepen or remind yourself of this feeling tone. by repeating the phrases with feeling. May I be well, may I be at ease. May others be well. May others be at ease.
So welcome again, everybody. Yeah, feel free to unmute yourself. You'd like to just say hi to each other this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. 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 So, um, yeah, thought I'd chat today. First of all, I want to thank Don. Don texted me last night and he's like, oh, I didn't see the newsletter. I, I think the newsletter maybe got missed with Thanksgiving and everything. And he's like, who's teaching? And I don't know, I had it in my mind that Wendy was teaching. And then I looked at the texts like from Wendy and I, I was like, no, I'm, I'm teaching. So thanks, Don, <laughs> for, for reaching out last night. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm totally happy that it was my turn uh, to, this weekend. So, um, yeah, I posted last night on, on Facebook right away with, with the title, um, The One True Story. I thought it'd be fun to unpack stories uh, in general, like kind of all the different types of stories we, we tell ourselves and how that how that comes into play. Um, yeah, the, the, the power of stories. You know, the, the one true story, I think, is that there's no story. <laughs> uh, and, and that um, all of our stories are true stories. You know, it's like the one true story is a story we choose to believe. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's it's true. And then maybe it's maybe it's not. So I think that's the that's something to to uncover. You know, it's been nice last couple of weeks. You know that I've had a lot of worldly stress, just just weird situations. You know that have come in like not, nothing major, but just enough stress to allow the mind to worry and to to want to grab on, you know, to these stories as real. And I really like that because it really allows, at least for myself, to see kind of the power of the practice. I had a, a situation where there was you know, stress the night before, kind of carried that through my night sleeping. And then I woke up to practice in the morning and, and, you know, I felt all that rush back, like the anxiety of it, stress of it, all of that. And, you know, noticing that the selfishness of, of that stress. It was all, you know, I'm the center of the universe kind of a thing. You know, it was all happening to happen. It's happening to me. It's all about me. And so I started doing some loving kindness and, and, and just, you know, just the phrase of, you know, may all beings be happy and free from suffering. 
you know, it was like a, it was like introduce, introducing like fresh, you know, like an influx of fresh water, you know, like in the desert or something, like with my mind, you know, like my mind was, was thirsty for that and just felt so nourished. And there's just such a big dissonance between that, that stress and worry. And then just that nourishing clarity, the, 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 war, the warmth of, of loving kindness, allowing that to, to rush in, you know? And I just noticed that, that those two stories and just perspective shift, you know, the perspective shift of like me and mine, and then all, looking out towards all beings, and that perspective shift between, you know, lack and, and gratitude, you know, um, and that I had that and just that appreciation that I had, you know, that the Dharma and what difference that makes in just that subtle shift of mind. There's just two stories, really, you know, the one story was I needed something, you know, to happen in a certain way. And then the other story was, this intention, this intention to, to wish all beings happiness and that, um, you know, just, just that and in the shift that, that it made is so, so simple, yet so profound in, in those, those energies were so different, right? So, so it was really good, you know, sense of clarity in that, you know. And I had another kind of similar similar instance where I was just hitting my head against the wall, this technical issue really needed this to happen. It was just this technology, you know, computer stuff. It just it was a very big problem and I needed this to be resolved. And it took like literally, it's still not resolved, but I worked on it for a couple of days, like eight hours. And I was, and I was um, working with a friend, you know, and, and there's consequences, you know, it was just, I, I needed this to happen, you know, and, and I wrote something really kind of odd back to them, you know, my friends and I say, this is not working, you know, but, but I have kindness, so it's going to be okay, <laughs> which is a really, I don't know, I just did it kind of in the moment, you know, like, we had, I had so much frustration, I actually like just, just walked out of the house, it's like, I just got to go for a walk, you know, like, I was just getting so frustrated. And I come back and we're trying to work on it. And I wrote back to my friend, like, I have kindness, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's going to be okay, you know? And I really felt it. I really felt like, you know, I have, I have kindness. So it's, it's, it's definitely going to be, it's going to be fine. And it was such an, an uh, you know, looking back, it was kind of an odd reaction to this very worldly, you know, issue world, uh, you know, problem and all that. And what I realized is that, you know, anger, frustration, and worry, you know, all these can be present, but they need support. You know, they, they really need support to have a lasting effect. And the support is the story. That's one thing I recognize in this situation for me. And the story I didn't believe in. And I think that's the thing that was 
was ultimately liberating for me is that the, the, the anger, the frustration, all of this stuff was there. But then when I looked into the story, it automatically punched holes in the story, just, you know, not even consciously. I just didn't believe in the story. I didn't believe in the story that once this was resolved, that I was going to be okay. Um, I didn't believe in the story that, yeah, I definitely needed this to, to be done. And that's ultimately the right thing. In fact, simultaneously, I was holding the thought that it's just not meant to be, you know, kind of like, okay, I, I can't conceive of this not being the right thing, but maybe it's not, maybe it's just not, you know, um, you know, kind of the experiential taste of impermanence, the experiential taste of don't know mind, the experiential taste of it's not good. It's not bad. We have to wait and see, you know, that story, like um, all of that, washed away the belief in the story that was very, very strong, you know, that, that was trying to provide a base for these emotions to continue, right? You know, but instead I really looked at the seeds of, of a happy, content mind. Those were extremely present alongside the frustration you know, the anger, the worry. So alongside those, like parallel to those was a very content mind. And I saw clearly like, why, like, why in the world would I choose, you know, the, the anger piece? It's not supported. You know, it has, it has no support. And I have noticed over time that um, the groundless nature like it's kind of the, the happiness, uh, the happiness part of the mind has no story. You know, there's no story that needs to uphold it. It's just naturally there, you know? Like it's the negation of stories, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, all, it's there waiting. So, so I thought, oh, it would be, it would be silly to, to choose the other one. Like, why would I let the anger take over, you know? Like, why, why would I choose that one? I think animals are neat, you know, reminders in these situations, you know, working from home and all that and having, you know, the animals around and they don't care. They're just like, they, they don't have worries, you know, just like, it's just, just pure happiness and, um, yeah, just kind of falling into that, just kind of noticing, like just being being with them and, and noticing again, like kind of going back to kindness, you know, kind of going back to kindness and being like, wow, yeah, I could be kind in this moment. I could be patient in this moment. I could be all these things in this moment. And, and yeah, why would I choose the other ones? So, but paying attention to the, the stories, noticing that they're there, noticing the empty, empty nature of those stories. Yeah. So, you know, I've been reading some more of uh, Long Chimpa's. Long Chimpa has, it's a new, fairly new release in the past few years. They released um, 
this new translation or a text, I should say, was newly translated. It's called Finding Rest in the Nature of Mind. It's an amazing text from Longchenpa. And I love it's called the Trilogy of Rest. This is volume, this is just volume one. And there's really, really amazing stuff in here. And what, what I love about the title is like this is just volume one. Um in the trilogy of rest, like we have forgotten how to rest. We need like three volumes of teachings <laughs> to, to remind us how to rest again, you know? It's this very, you know, non-dual, like Dzogchen, you know, teaching um, of just just being with what is as it is, really amazing. Mongchip is so clear, his clarity is just brilliant, you know? And And in this text, you know, he talks about the three aspects of meditative concentration. Says you need three aspects, and I'll just kind of read, you know, the opening line to this. You know, the cause, accordingly, of samadhi, where calm abiding and deep insight merge, is an unmoving concentration. Of this, there are three aspects to be learned. The aspect of the person by whom the concentration is achieved, the aspect of the method, the means by which the concentration is accomplished, and the aspect of the concentration itself, the accomplishment of non-duality. So the three aspects are the meditator, right? The, the person, um, by whom the concentration is achieved. So this needs to be learned. The second one is the method, the actual technique, like how are we meditating? And then the third piece is the concentration itself. So we learn about the quality and the purification of, of concentration. So a lot of, I mean, I like to look at these as kind of like purifying each one, like learning about each one and purifying our understanding of it. Of, of each aspect and by doing so we really get a solid understanding of concentration and we get really good at it like when i read these and there's no right or wrong answer i'll kind of put it out to you guys but when i read these between the person the method and concentration itself i thought that one was way more important than all than, than the other two um between the person, the method, and the concentration. But I wanna ask all of you what you think. <laughs> so just, you could even put up your hand like one, two, or three, like as far as the work to be learned, we work on the actual person, the method, or the concentration. Three, one, three, two, three, three one cool um yeah my 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 thought was one because the person if like we don't have the person and again there's no there's no right or wrong answer but if if the individual is not on board then it won't lead to the other two right but but again we need we need all three right um i would say like in general like out in in public, you know, like we're all Dharma people. So I could see like, 
everyone saying number three because we're already on board, right? We're already on board. And so now we're working with, yeah, how do we actually fine tune the concentration? But without the, without the person being on board, we're not gonna, we're not gonna practice, right? Without the actual mind of, of motivation. So, so I kind of thought I'd, I'd read through the first part just cause it, it's just, it's just really good, you know, um, really good reminders. And then we'll talk about, you know, kind of, I want to go into smaller groups and talk about our own stories and, and see, and also the good stories, you know, there's, there's, there's good stories too, right? Like uh, we talked about like, you know, the mind coming up with, with, uh, you know, not so good stories that don't have any foundation, but it's really about a matter of perspective, right? And, and if we move into uh, looking at a new perspective and create a new story around something, how powerful that might be, you know, even if that story is, I don't know, right? Like we can move into that. So maybe talking about our own um, stories that are more leaning towards the hindrances and, and then the stories that, that we remind ourselves um, about to kind of uh, bring us back into equanimity about something. So, so Longchenpa goes and he, he continues um, uh, to talk about what kind of makes a good human you know like our, the, the human the human part of of this scenario right that leads to concentration so um as i talk about this as you know when you're especially like the old school you know tibetan stuff yes the good stories are still stories don was saying <laughs> yeah there's still some sarik, you know but they lead to hopefully um, the abandonment of stories right um like Buddha would talk about right attachment, you know, attachment to Dharma, attachment to teachers and stuff like that. Um, so they have the old school, some of the old school teachings, they have a lot of like abandon all life and go to a cave kind of talk. And there's definitely that in here. But remember that that's just really an analogy of the mind, right? So it's not literally in all cases talking about abandoning you know, physical locations, although they definitely state that, um, but also just moving inward with the mind. Practitioners determined to forsake samsara who physically withdraw from the distracting occupations of this worldly life and mentally withdraw far from the multitude of teeming thoughts. By such as these is concentration swiftly gained. Those endowed with faith who have a tender conscience with regard to both themselves and others, who careful and with perfect discipline delight in virtuous things, are learned and contented, being frugal in their wants, by such as these is concentration swiftly gained. Those who have control of mind and body and take delight in solitude, who shake off laziness and sleep, who do not relish in conversation, 
who are not prone to agitation or depression, who have but few acquaintances by such as these, his concentration swiftly gained. By those who shun the busy occupations of the town and its inhabitants, who live in lonely places. <laughs> Sounds fun, huh? Live in lonely places. Far from society of many friends, free from various projects and activities, by such as these is concentration swiftly gained. Those who do not look for happiness in this life or the life to come, or wish the peace of a nirvana for themselves alone, whose sorrow at samsara, who, yeah, who sorrow at samsara and decide to leave it, desiring freedom from samsara for the sake of beings, by such as these, his concentration swiftly gained. And, you know, I was thinking about this in regards to stories. He's just really talking about letting go of all the stories in all these different environments, whether it be like useless conversation, like worldly activities, kind of like desire mind, you know, for like um, gain in this life alone, like all of these could be, you know, grouped into kind of putting a lot of emphasis in stories of impermanent things or about impermanent things, you know, being attached, being attached to them, right? Instead of abiding in you know, quiet mind, right? Um, yeah, so, yeah, so with that said, maybe we'll go into groups and just see what comes up for us, you know, as far as, again, what kind of stories do you see kind of take you, kind of maybe are sticky for you and you don't need to get into details, you know, but um, a little bit about the quality of getting kind of hooked in, into story and then um, what kinds of things bring you out, you know, still stories, but <laughs> and bring you out of those. So, yeah, I'll just put us in breakout rooms real quick. All right. All right. Um, yeah, anyone like to share with the larger group? What kind of came up for them? Yeah, Anthony. Thank you, Casey. Great topic. Uh, it's interesting. I'm reading a book right now called No Path to Enlightenment by Colin McMorrin, and he spends a lot of time talking about how stories maintain our sense of individual self and keep us from experiencing our oneness with with everything and everyone and so it's uh i just thought it was amazing that uh, you picked this topic because this is what i've been spending some time thinking about recently so oh interesting you. yeah for sure yeah thanks I was uh, in Anthony's group, so um, with Shannon as well, and we all kind of shared the stories we tell ourselves and where we mm -hmm. are with that. And then we came back to, but what is the one true story? Mm -hmm. 
and Anthony shared, and I just loved it, is the one true story is no story. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, obviously, I mean, we get that, but uh, it was just kind of cool to come back to that after all the stories we we tell each other. So uh, I really, I I think I'll sit with that and write on that, and that's it, it cool. So thank you. The present moment, <laughs> one true story. Yeah, Don. Just that little conversation there reminded me of, um, I think it was in a Pema Chodron book I was reading recently, but uh, just going along with our stories of, you know, once we can see it, she she says something about, you know, we we may still play the character we play, but not take it so seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, Anthony. I, I think it really helps when we meditate because instead of being our thoughts, we can be a witness to our thoughts. We can watch our thoughts and we can watch these stories. And as a result of that, we can let them go and and not suffer or, or not, you know, continue to be attached to these illusions is delusional thinking. And then we can live in the present moment instead of our thoughts of the present moment. Mm-hmm. Or our thoughts of separation, uh, we can live in oneness since uh, it's these stories that make us think that uh, there are 10,000 things and everyone's different and you're no good. Those people are no good, and we have to have to work with them. And just all the all the stories that are on different levels. One hundred percent. Thank you. Um, I'll just add one thing about um, we talked about is that stories have so much power, and. Um, we can choose how we narrate stories. Um, And I think that we don't always realize that. We just kind of let the story be carried. And uh, I've learned from different places um, and cognitive behavioral therapy is one of them that um, you you can change the story, you know, Um, and maybe one way of changing the story is to, is to just ignore, you know, not ignore it, I guess, but to drop it. Like Anthony was saying, he uses his Zen koan to drop the story. Um, Joe, are, are you talking? Uh, yeah, you're still muted if you are. Oh, sorry. I, I was just saying, I, I, I've heard people tell the same story over years of time. Uh, you know, a true story or an event in their life that they that they they they're apt to share over and over again as the years go by because it was a pivotal moment in their life, and the story doesn't really change because it's just the facts of the time. But but their perspective as they change yeah. becomes the story becomes so different. Uh, quite often, years later, same story but a totally different perspective, totally different. Uh, the the life lessons they learn become incredibly different than than the events that 
at the time seemed so emotional and so this or so that. Uh, it's just interesting. The, the, the stories are there, but they, I don't know. They take on a different perspective. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. I used to have a family member when he would tell a story, he'd, he'd get physically upset again, you know? Uh, I'd be like, you're, you're, you're actually getting mad right now. You're like, you're really mad though. <laughs> like, but you're retelling the story, you know? It's like, yeah, it's amazing. And then the distance that happens and all that, but definitely powerful. Like you mentioned, Shannon, just like the power of them. You know, I go back to that extremely one of the most powerful quotes ever, you know, that Thich Nhat Hanh quote, oh, so powerful when he says, the fact of the matter is that somebody's going to take their life today because they believe the suffering thought. It's just like crushing. It's interesting, the, the crushing truth of that. And then we see like, we think nothing of, you know, meditating and noticing a thought going by and say, oh, no, thank you. I'm not going to follow you right now. I'm going to go back to my breath. You know, we show that to people, you know, the first five minutes of teaching meditation and they think, oh, that's nothing. Why am I learning this? Why am I learning meditation? Oh, oh, okay. So now I'm focusing on my breath. Big deal. But what if that's your most suffering thought? What if when your most suffering thought goes by, you just notice it and say, oh, I don't need to follow you. I don't need to chase you. I don't need to believe you. In fact, I'm the master of my mind. I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to go back here. And that goes on its way. So powerful. You know, yeah, these stories really move us into action. You know, we follow the story. Then we get connected with the emotion of that. That emotion combined with a thought can move to action. Then it could, then it could lead to the consequences of that action. Um, so you know, all starting off with awareness and mindfulness and could really sway, you know, what we do in each individual moment, you know, now really powerful. Um, Since everyone raised their hand about the number three, (laughs) about the concentration piece, um, let me read a little, before we end, I'll read a little bit about the third aspect from Longchenpa kind of bring us home today um and it's all a lot like we've been talking about like the non-story the concentration in itself is the third aspect and this is the accomplishment of non-duality all things are of an equal taste the state of great perfection nothing is to be accepted Nothing should be spurned. All grasping should be left aside. For every kind of clinging is productive of samsara. But when there is no fixation, then, like space itself, there comes a state beyond both bondage and release. Yeah, Dawn. Can you just read that last line one more time, please? Yeah. Thank you. Then, like space itself, 
there comes a state beyond both bondage and release. Cool. So let's do a quick uh, dedication of merit together before we end. I'm just kind of going back to that Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, quote and the power of that. And, you know, the fact that as Dharma students, we have heard the Dharma, resonated with it, and have that ability to practice. And just wishing this for others. We're all interconnected. We're not free until all beings are free. And just wishing, even if it's by the power of intention, that all beings can understand that freedom is attainable. May all beings everywhere without exception, may they all be happy, truly, truly happy and free from suffering. Om Mani Padme Om. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.